In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 286. That's right. We are talking about Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 22 and 23. This would be Fracture, part one and part two. Uh, I am taking number 22, and Mark is taking number 23. So let's just go ahead and hop right into it. Uh Issue number 22, Fracture Part 1, Unified, writer Robert Venditti, uh, artist Ethan Van Skyver, colorist Jason Wright, letterer Dave Sharp, uh, cover by Van Skyver and Wright, variant cover by Kevin Nolan, and that's it. Um, <laughs> Fill in the blanks, you know the rest. <laughs> um, over in Space Sector 1800, the planet Vault. Uh, essentially, this is a massive man-made alien made whatever planet that serves as don't we have an equivalent to this i i why am i blanking on the uh you know how like the cayman islands are like the the place where all the thugs or whatever stash their money because they can't be touched by international law or something so they just have their their own secret accounts and stuff think of that but planet sized and uh universe wide it can't be touched by laws. It is its own independent entity, and the only rules it knows are the and the only people it caters to are the people who make deposits or keep their uh, funds and stuff there on this planet. It's got its own shield and blah blah blah. Well, this one old guy who runs the shield has been paid off, suggested whatever. He shuts down the shield, and all of a sudden, vault which is the name of this, you know, quote-unquote planet, is now under attack. Meanwhile, over in Space Sector Zero on the planet Mogo, we see a distress beacon from Vault head over to the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, Salak alerts Jon Stewart, who then alerts all the cores, uh, both yellow and green, uh, to what's going on. This includes Guy and uh, Arkillo, who are sparring slash working out. This includes Kyle, who's out sketching under the trees. This includes Soranic uh, and some other lanterns uh, in the med bay. And Hal Jordan, because he's saying, um, you know, uh, there are going to be five teams. Um, infirmary, prepare for possible influx of casualties. Uh Remaining lanterns who are staying staying behind, you know, prepare to assist if needed. Mission field commanders, Hal Jordan, blah, blah, blah. 
He says, keep it tight and bright, Lanterns. Take care of one another and be careful out there. And <laughs> Hill Street Blues. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so over on Vault, the invaders uh, come, drop down on the planet, and it seems that they're led by somebody named Bolfunga. And if that name sounds familiar to you, that's because, but not quite complete, that's because it shouldn't be Admiral Bolfunga. It should be Bolfunga the Unrelenting. Maybe it's Admiral Bolfunga the Unrelenting now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's obviously used some slim fast too because he's nice and trim now. That's right. That's right. Uh, if anybody, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and read Mogo Doesn't Socialize by Alan Moore, in which Mogo was. That was his introduction story, right? I think. But who, Mogo or Bolfunga? Or both? <laughs> Uh, I, th- I think it was both, but it was Mogo's introduction yeah. story, right? Okay. Uh, so that's the story that was actually adapted in the uh, Emerald Knight story where Mogo's introduced and some somebody's trying to look for you know the biggest, baddest Green Lantern, and it turns out he's standing on it. Th- this is that Bolfunga. So he's leading the charge, uh, trying to sack the planet, basically, and all of a sudden the Green Lantern and Yellow Lantern Corps show up. Um, they're you know they're they're taking care of business. It actually goes pretty well for them for the most part, except there's a point where Tomar Two and his uh, sector partner Phantasm. He says, "I can't." You know, he loses his concentration. His shield breaks. He says, "I'm not feeling well." Hal Jordan steps in and protects both lanterns. We got to look out for each other. Um, and uh, the little riot, the whatever, is kind of squelched pretty quickly. Um, uh, Hal approaches uh, both Phantasm and, uh, and and Tomar 2 asking what's going on, what happened Tomar 2 says she did nothing wrong Hal, I'm feeling unwell and then he flies off then over uh, back on uh, uh, well, hang on a second, I, I did miss a, a panel here um, Bullfungus says, I demand a conference with your core leader. Hal says, yeah, I'm sure uh, he'll love that. And he tells the lanterns and pound the ships and stolen goods for everything for evidence. Everything goes back to Mogo with the prisoners. Meanwhile, back over on Mogo, I mean, I'm sorry, before they leave, uh, he says, Kilowog, you and uh, Subject82 uh, stay behind, help with recovery, get the defense shield back online, any vault needs uh, they get. Anything Vault needs, they get. Um, won't take long casualties. Alight, the Raiders were using stun weapons. And how's like, stun weapons? Everybody heads back to Mogo. John asks for a mission report. Salix says everything went as well as could be expected. Uh, I didn't expect the Yellow Lantern Corps and Green Lantern Corps to work so well, but it looks like they pulled it off. And John says, great. Uh, and then walks off, and then I did it <laughs> uh, to himself in the hallway. Uh, meanwhile, uh, over on Mogo, uh, Kyle and Sora have a moment. Skip that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish we could have skipped it in the issue, but. <laughs> um, and then over in the science cells, which says ultra maximum security prison for the universe's worst criminals, uh, we see Bolfunga being interrogated by Hal and John. And what Bolfunga says is uh, actually you're going to let me go, and if you don't, I'm going to let loose some proof I have that a Green Lantern committed murder. And then your little, you know, 
uh, confab between you and the Yellow Lantern Corps will no longer be valid. Uh, you got about 24 hours, and I need to be there to stop it in person. The next evidence of guilt. Um. So the Green Lantern, the Green, he said the Green Lantern murdered a Sinestro Corps member. In case that wasn't made clear. That, yes. That that, that 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 was the big secret that he was going to unve- unveil to just to rip this just ba- barely glued together thing asunder. The fact that uh, there's a secret. Um. So you know it, we've been critical on both titles for different reasons, sometimes for similar reasons. Um. But in this case, I want to do say a couple of things about how well things work, uh, at least some positive things. A couple of the positive things I like. I like the art. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't think Ethan Van Skyver is at the very tip-top of his game here, but it is impressive. Um, you know, he doesn't he, – he's, he's one of the top artists at DC. He gets basically his pick of the litter in terms of stories he wants to do. So, you know, obviously DC has faith in him. Art is a matter of personal preference, so maybe the stuff I have a problem with, it is just – you know, subjective only to me. But by and large, I do like the art in this issue. I think there are a couple of weird things here and there. For instance, I don't. You remember how we had issues? You, you more than me. But remember how we had issues with Hal's hair yes. a while back? I have an issue with the way Ethan some does Kyle's hair for yes, some reason. Kyle's hair doesn't look quite right. Yeah, it looks. But the mask. I, I think the mask is maybe a little too big too, and I think that that might factor into this too. But you're right; it, it is a little different. Yeah, it looks off. I couldn't – again, I couldn't tell you why, but it does look slightly off. Uh, but some cool things to see would be things like energy leaping off of their costumes, uh, the pitch pitch black that Ethan likes to use for the, the you know the non-reflective black parts of their costumes, stuff like that. That's always nice to see. Uh, I know it's MoGo and you, know, you and I have been like <laughs> – the hell did this city come from? <laughs> and like, when did they have time to do all of this? But putting that aside, it's cool to see things like the sign cells and stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, another cool thing I'll say, and this is more to the credit of Venditti, even though this smacks of a setup, I like how uh, by the book this this mission went. You know, they took care of it. They took care of business. They how made sure that, that to put somebody on protecting the innocents, uh, you know, capturing people, making sure damage was controlled. And then once the the whole situation was done, impounding the evidence, impounding the vehicles, impounding the weapons, taking the prisoners and then leaving a crew behind to help the help people clean up like that was that that was pretty like by the books methodical, which I mean, given the fact that we've had like big storyline after big storyline um, in the past, it's been a while since we've seen the Green Lantern Corps on just kind of like a general mission. And because you get big storyline after big storyline, it's usually like Hal flying by the seat of his pants and he's got to do some crazy ass stuff just to win the day. And in this case, it's something that is just, you know, literally by the book, by the, the a book that John himself has made up in his mind about how these two cores should interact and function as a unit. It's very methodical. So I really, I, I do appreciate that. 
no, those those are some of the positive things that I liked. Uh, and, and you know, I don't I don't want to you know then leap into negative and then you can you you know you cycle back around to positive. So I just wanted to. Oh, it's all okay. I I, I just wanted to I, give you a now, chance. To, now, now I now I see where you're going for this. <laughs> don't worry, people. The negative's coming. Uh, I think I think Hal looks really good in this issue for the most part. Sometimes I think he draws hair Hal's hair a little too short, and I think that's what makes it look weird. I think it's a little too close to his head, and I think that sometimes, depending on the angle, that looks kind of. But I, th- I think he, Hal looks good. I think Guy John looked good. Um, I don't think Bullfunga looks good. I, I'm kind of. I go back and forth on Asora. I think overall his Sora is pretty good. I don't think it's Kilowog and Arkillo. I think I, I don't think his style works well with them as much. Um, but overall, this. As a as a complete book, I think the artwork is very good in this, and and, and the cover is really good. The Sora mm-hmm. Hal, you know, non non Nolan cover, you know, the regular cover is is really cool. So I yeah, I remember I remember when this was solicited. I think Corwin said, "I know what the cover for my next uh, bind is." <laughs> yeah, we knew it wasn't that horrible Nolan cover. Cause that <laughs> one, that one was pretty bad with Sora and this, Hal, uh, where the the symbol is divided and there's a lot of. Essentially, blank space. I think so, and, the, and the, just the way their bodies are drawn. You know, he, he a lot of the times the way he draws the bodies are awkward. Um, and the, the 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 variant cover for issue twenty three wasn't that fantastic either, because that was the one with Arkillo or whatever on it. Because that's the one that originally was pulled for me today, and I conveniently switched it out to get back to get the <laughs> standard cover. <laughs> <laughs> So go ahead, go. We, we know we, you and I know what's coming. So why don't you just go right, right to it? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna obviously go off about it, but obviously I'm not gonna give it more, you know, a ton of attention just because it was only one episode ago <laughs> that I had a very very similar rant. So there's there's a, a panel on here. If you guys are playing along at home, issue 22 in the panel where you see Kyle sketching, okay? John is sending out the all-points bulletin to everybody, saying, here's what's going down. One of the things he says when you see the panel with Kyle is, five teams from Delta Shift will be send to respond. S-E-N-D. Instead of sent. S-E-N-T. Look, I know that, like, when you're online and something, you know, and you're someone is talking to you and you start correcting each other's spelling and grammar, it gets annoying. That's in, like, a day-to-day back-and-forth chat that people aren't going to remember years down the line for posterity's sake. These are published works printed and sold by the thousands, literal thousands and one of the cool things we all enjoy about comic books is – and I was actually listening to um, uh, Michael Bailey's Fortress of Bailey-tude. Um, uh, I, I believe it was uh, – he's got several shows. I don't know which one it was I was listening to. Uh, but he was going over several of the Rebirth issues the, it, back when Rebirth first started coming out. And, he's, and his host – his guest host for that episode was saying one of the cool things about comics that we all love is – uh, is you know the the continuity one of two things is is continuity and by that he didn't mean just like you know being slavish to continuity or anything but the fact that he was starting to read the action comics series for rebirth 
And because it had some things to do with like the character of maybe Doomsday and kind of like, you know, the the death of Superman because the uh, the rebirth, you know, the convergence types pre New 52 Superman was thinking that maybe the New 52 Superman would come back to life because, well, when I died by Doomsday, I came back to life. And he had never read at this point, you know, he had actually just read the death and return of Superman. So he can pick up a comic from the nineties and it still be relevant and relatable to a comic that he bought off the stands just yesterday. When you have that sort of shelf life for things like comic books, you have to understand, I mean, you don't want to sit here and get all pig headed and go like, yeah, this issue that I wrote is going to be remembered for years. Nobody, nobody sets out to do that. But at the same time, you have to consider your audience. Some people are going to buy it immediately. Some people are going to buy it digitally. Some people will buy it a week from now, two weeks from now. And then some people are waiting for the trade. And then some people down the line go, you know what? I did hear about, you know, that, that, that one series, it started off kind of rocky, but it ended pretty well. I'm going to go back and go back and uh, go back issue diving or, you know, go on comiXology and buy those issues or, or whatever. And, and and catch up on that storyline. These things have a longer shelf life than just the week they're released. So even though it's a small mistake, like send versus sent, it's a mistake that really should be caught. And I know I've been ranting about this, but quite honestly, the more and more it happens, even the small mistakes Ad. are less and less forgivable. You're right. I mean, yeah, they add up. Like, I, I don't want to be this much of a stickler about send versus sent. I even asked Mark in our when I sent him this this image. I'm like, look, am I am I freaking out too much about this? <laughs> like, it's 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 just a word. And I think if it it wasn't for the two one eight fours and uh, and cost city and all these other things that have happened up until this point. I think Mark would have come back with, yeah, you should probably let that one go. But in this case, like, are you serious? It's just yet another thing. Like, again, I asked it last episode, who's asleep at the wheel? Is it the letterer's fault? Is it, you know, is it the editor's fault? I, I would like to know an actual answer from somebody who knows this in the comic book industry's ex- experience. What does an editor do? What does an assistant editor do? What does a group editor do? What does the letterer responsible for? You know, like, you know, where is this system of checks and balances to make sure shit like this does not happen? But the frequency at which shit like this happens is becoming fast and faster and faster, more unacceptable as issues go by. And I, uh, it's, it's, it, I said it last time. It takes me out of the story. So that's just my, again, I went off on a huge rant about it just one episode ago, so I don't need to do it again. But like, I can't not call attention to it because it's only been one episode. I mean, and we're not even, we're not behind on issues either. So it happened in, in relatively recent issues of Green Lanterns and it happened in relatively recent issues of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Both series have these issues. 
And the only thing I can think about that's the same between both series is the editors. So. That is a good point about the common, the commonality of the editors as we know. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, outside of that, are, are there other negative things about the issue? I guess, like I said, I, there are things about Ethan's art I find off here and there. But whether I, I, I don't have enough of an artistic eye to know whether that's subjective or an actual design issue. So I leave that alone. Um, as for the Tomar 2 stuff, interesting. I like that it's set up here in a relatively subtle way. We obviously see more and more of to- Tomar 2 as these issues have gone on, so we know that he's about to be a big focal point. And, of course, once we get to your issue, that all comes to fruition. But I like how it's not like – the, the stuff that happens in your issue isn't just all of a the sudden. These right, seeds have been planted, sense. and they've been planted in gradual stages, slightly more and slightly more and slightly more, instead of just all of a sudden, oh, I saw Tomer 2 in the background looking shady a couple issues ago, and then all of a sudden, oh my god! <laughs> you know, there's they're, they're giving more and more of the hints, so I like that. No, I, the, the Tomar stuff works well. I mean, as we as we'll see in in issue twenty three, by by what we find out in issue twenty three, it makes some of the stuff even just we just saw in issue twenty two makes more make more sense. Mm. Uh, two things I wanted to mention though, uh, I don't, I'll just mention this one first because I think it, we won't get the most steam out of it. Kind of, it, it, John's moment here after Salik tells him the mission went well. It makes sense, but it was also like, I don't know if I want to say on the nose, but you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're obviously reading this storyline called Fracture. <laughs> so, and based on solicits and stuff and sort of the way people are, are positioned on, on the front of these covers and stuff, we know there's a, about to be a big fracture between these two core. So it's kind of convenient, I guess, that it's like, ah, it's finally working, and then, nope, it's about to be all yanked out from underneath you, buddy. Well, he did say it's only one mission, so let's not start a parade. But but then he goes out yeah, and all by himself. Inside, like, inside, he, yeah, inside, he's feeling more relieved and thinking, okay, maybe you know, maybe we got over the hump, but, but at least on the surface, he's saying, you know, don't put the cart in front of the horse. Yeah. And then the Kyle and Sora stuff. I didn't. I didn't tell. I didn't even really synopsize it. Essentially, Kyle's still shaken about the whole stuff that happened with their future son or whatever, uh, <laughs> and and he's you know she she comes up and holds his hand and then he lets go and is like, hey, you really should come back to our side. Here's your ring. Uh, I need you to make a choice and then flies off. Again, this type of stuff comes to fruition a little bit more in Mark's issue, but it's just like, I, you know, I'm, with all the stuff, other stuff we, we have to be upset about, like, are, should we just accept at face value that they're going to go this way with these characters? Oh, you can accept. Um, you can accept that us being unhappy about it has no relevance in the big picture of what they're going to do. But it doesn't mean you doesn't mean you can't be unhappy about it. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't know too many people that are happy about any of this stuff between Sora and Kyle. 
for on any on any level. I mean, I just think I mean it comes. I think it's more true, and again, in my issue than yours. But Kyle just does not come across well whatsoever, and and by proxy, it makes Sora come across worse because she's she's kind of like into this, <laughs> so it makes her look even worse because because he looks he's looking like an idiot or or this super controlling guy, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, it's because you care so much. It's like no, because he's acting like an idiot, <laughs> and then. The whole bad boy thing, Sora. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably go more. It, there's more meat to dive into there on your issue than mine. But like, I oh, there, there's a good example right there of something I can actually physically point to that's not subjective. When Kyle flies off, look how stiff he looks. You been on the page with Sora? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, looks stiff. He looks stiff even on the left side. He looks stiff. But he first. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just thought that he looked he looked particularly stiff flying off. So, I don't know. That's just some. That's just one artistic thing I can point to that maybe people can pick up on. Um, you got anything else for this one? Uh, was there anything else? Well, on some level, I do like Guy and Arkillo working well together. I do much like the whole Kyle and Sora thing. I think the Guy Arkillo thing is incredibly forced. <laughs> I think I think they're I think they're pushing things. You know how how buddy buddy they're becoming. You know almost immediately. I think that's I I can understand it psychologically to a certain extent because of Arkillo's makeup. So I can understand a little bit, you know, that because a guy beat the crap out of him, that in a way maybe that's gonna that make Arkillo like him more and respect him more. That's what, that's what I was just about. So to say. I can I can kind of I can kind of see it, but on the other hand, it's kind of like you know he he wouldn't be buddy buddy with Mongol if Mongol showed up. <laughs> so I think I think like a lot of the stuff in this arc, it's it's way it's way too forced to do everything way too quick, especially and if they really do end up splintering these two things these two cores completely if they really end up going that route you know so quickly after bringing them together then that's just gonna I don't know. yeah it's a good start to the arc and i think the second part is good too but as we've just seen recently unfortunately the pattern in the venditti era has been the setup is often good but the payoff is almost never good <laughs> Compared to the setup, anyway. So I, I I like the story so far. Do I have a lot of faith I'm going to like it, like one or two issues down the road? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But and, and I'm not really looking forward to the New Gods thing coming up either because that, that doesn't sound thrilling either. <laughs> but it could surprise me because, like I said before, I thought uh, Godhead was one of the better things Robert Venditti did, at least especially with the ending. I thought that one did not necessarily spit the bit. So maybe, maybe I'm uh, calling me the cockeyed optimist, but but maybe it's maybe at least it'll be somewhat entertaining. Call you something. Call you something <laughs> is right. Call me an idiot when this turns out to be yet another unsatisfying ending. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, you want to say twenty-three? Let's do twenty-three. And and a disclaimer: I've really read this thing like once and did a walkthrough another like briefly again because I just bought it today. So. <laughs> So, so, so if my my if my review sucks, that's part of the reason why I'm not really just mailing it in. It's the fact that, but I don't. But to be fair, I think it's a good issue, but I don't think it's there's that much to really you know, go nuts over breaking it down either. 
<laughs> so I have the uh, I have the standard cover, the Van Skyver cover, with both with both Fungo almost looking like Sinestro with bad teeth in the background. <laughs> uh, not I, a not a big fan of this cover. I think Hal looks good. I think Guy looks good. Arkillo doesn't even look bad because he, because it's the frontal shot of Arkillo's face, the full shot that I don't like. It Sora looks Sora doesn't look good at all. I don't like the way Sora looks whatsoever. Her hair looks weird. Her face looks weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with those points. That's the only reason I brought it up. Well, the only other thing, too, Hal looks kind of weird. Uh, but I think that's more Ethan Van Skyver's style than anything because he tends to over-exaggerate the barrel-chestedness of right, some of his... You're right. If you actually you do look at it, the chest looks really, really big and the arm looks really, really small. It almost looks like, a, what, a Rob Leofield? drawing in a way oh yeah rob liefeld yeah yes yeah 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 that's what it kind of looks like these really uh, weird weirdly proportioned chest especially in like in a profile and, and sadly it's not sora's no <laughs> <laughs> um but that that inappropriate sexual comment aside let's go <laughs> let's, let's roll into part two so fracture part two is called guilty blood Robert Venditti, Ethan Van Skyver, Jason Wright, Dave Sharp, Van Skyver and Wright, the coming cover, Kevin Nolan, Y O Y once again on the variant, and the editing group remains the same. So we pick up right where we left off with uh, John pretty much following, giving us an instant recap of what Bofunga just said. It's like, uh, you're telling me you have evidence that a Green Lantern committed murder. And, of course, Hal's immediately, and I kind of like the way Hal looks in this profile, though. I kind of like that. That he's he just kind of like even though kind of looks almost like what a Broderick, his face kind of almost looks like a Broderick version of of Hal. Uh, but Hal's like Hal saying, "Oh, I, I, this is all BS. I don't believe it." You know, Bullfungus just saying anything to get out of here. And John's kind of like trying to calm Hal down. It's like, wait, you know, it's not like I necessarily believe this guy, but you know, it's but but I'm it's pretty much my duty to basically do an investigation to to to, to find out. And, you know, Bofunga, you know, reiterates the fact that, you know, release me or a recording will be broadcast that shows a Green Lantern murdering a member of the Sinestro Corps. <laughs> be a shame if your green and yellow love fest suddenly fell back into war, don't you think? And uh, John's kind of like, well, I need to confer. And, uh, <laughs> and Bofunga, don't confer too long. The broadcast goes out tonight. So John and John and Hal leave the science cell there. And Bo- I like the way Bofunga just kind of like stretches out like real confident. And, and, and everything that's going on here, uh, another well-drawn Hal. I like with almost like a spotlight, a flashlight effect coming with his chest signal going out so far and so bright that he, John, you know, John's really not impressing Hal at the moment because Hal really thinks he, that it takes a lot of nerve for him to take the words of a basically a criminal over your own core. And John points out there's way too much at risk just to just basically take it to just automatically dismiss what Bullfunga is saying just because we want to believe it. So um, Hal's not really buying all that. It's like, you know, exactly. You want the new core to work out so bad, you're sweating it through your pores. You know, Bofunga can smell it in you, so that's why you're being played. And, you know, Hal kind of like flies off. And uh, John's like, you know, I hope I'm wrong about this one, but if Bofunga's telling the truth, I'll never allow him to prove it. So now now we have a pretty cool scene at... It's always cool when we see the mess hall scene, but now it's kind of like much more impressive because first of all, the mess hall is like a th- looks like a, th- it's a thousand times longer. The line, <laughs> or the <laughs> options, I should say, the options, have, and you see the Sinestro Corps members and the Green Lanterns. <laughs> what the hell is Stell doing in line? 
maybe maybe one of the, maybe one of the maybe one of the compartments has some motor oil in there. <laughs> motor oil and some gaskets and some bolts and nuts. Sorry, Ooh, I just tasty. Know, I just actually started paying attention to actually who's in the crowd, and I was like, Stell. Well, he's kind of. I think he's kind of like observing because his head's kind of like really not looking at the food. Like he's looking around, all confused. Yeah, it's like what's going on. It kind of reminds me. It reminds me of. Do you, did you used to watch MASH at all? A little bit? Uh, I, I, yeah, off and on. I didn't watch it like continuously, obviously, but I, I have seen several episodes of you know pieces and seasons and stuff. Well, did, you, did you ever see the episode where, where, where Klinger's gr- latest, greatest idea to get out of the army was to eat a Jeep? Uh-uh. And then... <laughs> And he, t- he took a part. He was taking a part of Jeep, and then he was sitting there, and he put the nap, you know, tucked the napkin into his his shirt, and then he started, and then he's like, he had like tongs or tongs and stuff, and like he took like a like a nut or he took like a, a bolt or a, first a nut, I think he took a nut and like dipped it in motor oil and swallowed it, and then of course he just kept going until he got sick, and of course they had to take him to the. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're, ho- we're hoping he pooped some of that stuff out, but I don't think they operated on him. But that's the idea. So that's what I was thinking of Stella. Could I have like a tray of like motor uh, parts in motor oil for him? Mmm, a delicacy. But the uh, the the mess hall, you know, it looks it's kind of cool there. And unfortunately, you know, while Sora's eating something, it almost looks like some kind of almost looks like either like some watermelon Jello crystal combination with a muffin. She is a muffin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kyle goes, can I join you? Unfortunately, she says, do you want to, Kyle? He sits down and goes, Sora, Sora, oh, I didn't mean to come on so strong about you rejoining the Corps. It's just that, you know, it's, you know, it's the whole, the whole idea of the Sinestro Corps and everything, you, you know, it stood for under your father, and I know that isn't what you stood, you know, you want to stand for and everything else. And this this part really annoyed me. It's like uh, I'll accept the Green Lanterns partnering with them. I'll even put up with partnering with one myself if John order me to, orders me to. But but not you. That's not where you belong. And Sora goes accept, put up with. You find good in everyone, Kyle. It's what make you. It's what makes you different. It's what I like about you. Well, most people would have just thought he was coming across as a douche. <laughs> Oh, I'll accept it. I'll put up with it. Who the hell cares if you're going to – right? Who, most people would say, who cares if you're going to – oh, it, that, that's that's real, that's mighty powerful of you two that you're going to put up with it. You know, I don't think most people would have taken that. Oh, you're so sweet by saying that. But so I don't get that at all. I'm glad you have the, the cognitive capacity to just stomach past it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, oh. And, so, and, and Sora's like, uh, why can't you find good – why can't you find good in this? And she point, you know, she outstretches her arms, and you see all the lanterns, you know, eating together, kind of, in, kind of enjoying each other company, as you know, and and you know, she's just kind of pointing out that, you know, you know, he, you know, she hated what her father basically made the Sinestro Corps into, but you know, after he died, I kind of basically made it into something else. And if I leave them now, if I go back to basically being green, that you know, they need leadership. You know, they could go back to their old ways without me, and. And she's like, for how long? You know, how when will you let them take care of the, themselves, or, or are you going to babysit them forever? You just want to smack Kyle right, right in his goddamn face. <laughs> so, uh, and she's like, I don't know why you're pushing me so hard. I'm proud of what I've done. As well, you should be, Sora. <laughs> if you really cared about me, you'd be proud too. And you know, and then. Uh, at, at this point, Hal kind of enters the picture, and Hal's like, Sora, I've been meaning to talk to you. Did Tomar, too, come to see you? Because he said he wasn't feeling well. And Sora's like, uh, he didn't tell me. You know, you know, he didn't, but you know, tell him my door is always open. And 
Hal's like, you know, he just I swear he just hasn't been right since all the Sarko stuff. And we also had a moment where, where I like Kilowog's got as much food as humanly possible on one plate. Kyle was. Uh, it's funny you say humanly too, because look at that food. Yes, that's true. That is true too. Uh, that Kilowog kind of like jumped in there during the Sora Kyle conversation too, making it clear that you know, trying to trying to kind of point out a little of the paradox or the hypocrisy in a way of kind of how uh, kind of how Kyle's acting and and everything else here. Uh, so Kyle's just kind of feeling sorry for himself and all this. Uh, once Hal says the thing about Sarko, for some reason that that triggers, not necessarily sure why, 100 percent, probably because it has to happen for a plot point. But as soon as Hal says Sarko, all of a sudden like a gong goes off in Sora's head about Sarko. It's like hmm, and you know, Hal's still going on about Tomar too. But at this point, Sora just pretty much has walked away from from Hal to. Because she's got something to check on on herself. Now, departing Mogo, we see Guy and Guy and Arkello are flying, flying off to uh, go go on a mission. Guy contacts, or I guess I guess whenever we need information, it's going to be Space Cabby now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense uh, for uh, a universal police force. To have informants. And informants, yes. <laughs> Do ex cabby. So guy contacts Space Cabby there with his ring, and it's like, uh, you know, the, the Cephod, let's say Cephod. The Cephod Raiders, where, where do they stash things they really don't want found? And he's like, oh, I may I may know a spot. I, I'm warning you up front. You better bring the big guns. <laughs> and, and guys like, they don't get any bigger talking about him in uh, – him and Arkillo. Now we come to Space Sector 1798, the stronghold of the Sapphire Raiders. Uh, and they're talking, like, has there been any, any word from Admiral Bolfunga? And it's like, dad, don't worry about it. Bolfunga's, you know, you know, he knows what he's doing, and you're, you're at the most impregnable fortress in three sectors. Nothing is getting in just at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Arkillo and uh, Guy show up uh, ripping, ripping into it like a challenge accepted. <laughs> And Kilowog and excuse me, not Kilowog. Arkillo and Guy go to work here. Our Guy's really happy with what's about what's going on, and Guy's so oblivious because he's Guy that he doesn't kind of realize that he's pretty much in the in the, in the scopes of, of one of the Sapphire ra- Raiders. Uh, Arkillo steps right in front of the shot, takes it, takes it for a Guy, and Arkillo's kind of like floating around, damaged, not. Not seriously damaged, but he's out of it for a few seconds. That really pisses off Guy, who points this out. <laughs> no, I'm pissed. And he unleashes a huge green energy bolt, and he's like, nobody takes a punch for Guy Gardner. <laughs> he's like, come on, somebody hit me. Oh, Guy, the human punching bag. Meanwhile, Arkillo is back up on his feet at this point, so we know he's okay. And like, like, like and then we have some little little bantering here, like a. When he, when he kind of is getting on Arkillo's back for taking one for the team and everything else, and uh, it's just it's kind of just a funny moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we go back to the, the morgue on Mogo, which is a place we don't get to go very often. So, Va, you know, Vaz, you know, un- shows uh, Sora the body of Sarko, and <laughs> I like I like Vaz dead and in color. <laughs> 
Uh, Rainer brought him in after the battle in, in Sector 563, said he got blasted by a 30-foot manifestation of Kronos Gauntlet or something crazy like that. Just another day on the beat, right? And Sora's like, I'd like to do a full autopsy, and, you know, Vaz doesn't, you know, Vaz doesn't really care. It's like, Rainer could have done me a favor and left the body behind so I wouldn't have to store it. I mean, I mean, he, it's like, uh, he's a villain from the future, not the type of background that brings a lot of kin looking for a proper funeral. So, after Vaz leaves, Sora just kind of looks at him as like, of all the criminals, what makes Kyle care so much about you? So, Ring, let's get to work. So meanwhile, back in Spectre 1798, we we, we see the damage that our killers guy have done as but as we see pile, you know, like part of the hull of the ship and, and different areas are ripped apart, bodies are strewn all over the place, and finally somebody you know one of the, one of the raiders points out right when guy's about to hit him with a cinder block <laughs> that the, the strong room, the strong room, and uh. Arkillo and Guy go in, and they basically f- they find this little Voldarian spy imp who's just adorable. <laughs> he just did. You just want to pick him up and hug him. And Guy's like, I think the Raiders knew they were getting their butt stomped for this cute little fella. Sucks to be then. It's like, pile them in here and seal it shut, Ark. I'll call the local badges to take out the trash. And meanwhile, pretty much Arkillo's kind of like got all this done almost by himself. And... And you got to get some cliche comment in there. It's like, Ark, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship partnership, but still. Um, now back in the morgue, pretty pretty cool scene of Sora work, working her working her magic here, checking out a uh, checking out uh, Sarko. We find out that you know there was no there was no contagion, there was nothing wrong with him. She does a DNA profile on him. She finds out that his fifty percent of his DNA is human, and the genetic markers match. You know, one a human on record, Kyle Rayner, and I do like the way her uh, her eyes kind of glow yellow uh, at that moment. That Sora looks really cool in that picture. Then, then all of a sudden, there's a temporal flux detected. Sarko starts fading away. Basically, she starts becoming intangible, and you know she. She realizes she's running out of time, so she she basically tells the ring to continue the report, and then we find out there's a 50% Corrigorian DNA, and the genetic <laughs> it matches two Corrigorians in the database, Sinestro and Sora. And I like the way Sora looks. Kyle slept with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I didn't think they could do that. Have a kid. Oh, Kyle, you crazy artist, you bohemian. Uh, <laughs> but, but I but I just. The art on this page is great because how Sora looks so confused and almost like lost or hurt when she finds out that Kyle's Kyle's part of it. But then when she finds out that it's her own DNA and Sarko, how pissed she looks whenever she's squinting her eyes. I love that. And all of a sudden, there's, there's a big voice, which I guess we assume that that's the end of uh, Sarko's body in our timeline. Uh, meanwhile, basically, just what Jon Stewart wants to see, <laughs> the, the, the little spy imp there. They need a stuffed spy imp. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> so basically, I guess he's got a. <laughs> he's a de- I like that. It's like uh, so. This is where the stuffed raider, you know, were hiding. They're hiding this. So, and it's like, oh yeah, there's a data port in its noggin. <laughs> what it's seen already. So they pretty much. <laughs> I like the way John like holds him like a little doll and just puts him on the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we go to the barracks where where Hal's chicken and Tomar at the just. At the meantime, uh, John plugs plugs in the imp, uh, and now I just figure I just see Tyrion 
Lattice are being plugged in now. Uh, Hal walks in to see Tomar kind of like freaking out, and he's like, tired, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. John asks the imp to begin playback. Tomar's like, have to keep keep it locked away. Keep what? Keep what locked away? And and John's like, oh my god! And Tomar's like, I'm sorry. And Hal's like, no, not you. And then all of a sudden we see we see the image of John seeing the playback from the amp, which sees Tomar Ray more or less frying Rotmat Rue. And it's an awkward-looking Hal arm-wise. His face looks good, but his arms and his body look awkward. Uh, Hal's like, what What have you done? And we see basically uh, Rotmat's ring is encased in a, a green energy sphere – not sphere, a box – which basically is why Tomar was unable to keep his energy construct shield f- fully functional last issue is because all this time, after, supposedly, but we're led to believe at this point anyway, is after he kills Romat that he's been keeping this ring in case to keep his that murder a secret. He's been using all his this willpower secretly all this time, all the time, to keep that ring from escaping. So, And then it says, uh, we see the little message, you know, Sinestro core member of... Of Space Sector 28113 deceits, scanning for replacement sentient over and over again. Next issue, Trials! See <laughs> <laughs> C- C- Lara! <laughs> uh, one thing, I think uh, the explosion uh, in, in the lab is uh, Sora lashing out in anger with her own power. Let me go back and look. Be- because right before that, uh, you can see that uh, his, his body is completely gone already. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Are we assuming this uh, temporal flux detected? Because uh, uh, I'm assuming it's not a coincidence. It starts right after she learns that it's Kyle's uh, DNA. You know, the whole, like, it's dangerous to know too much about your future because that can change the future. So now that she knows that it's her and Kyle's son, it's changed the future so he no longer exists. Or... He does exist, but doesn't come back as a villain, so therefore his body wouldn't be there dead. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that's what that temporal flux thing means, because right after she learns it's Kyle, he starts disappearing. And typically when things start fading from existence in a timeline story, it's because that timeline has been changed. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm going to – I am going to assume that, yes, that at least for now – let's see if his body comes back. It'll just plop. It'll just plop down on the morgue floor. Where the hell did this come from? <laughs> Kyle will suddenly – Drop it out of the sky now. Kyle will suddenly straighten up and start playing the guitar very well again. <laughs> <laughs> did somebody lose a sarco? Because we got another one. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming it's because at, in that in that instant that Sora kind of knows about the yes what what the future would bring uh, that at least temporarily right now that that future is not that timeline has been changed. Okay, but, and, that's and, that's what that's what I figured too. Please but let it I stay just, that way because I don't want them to have that, that kid. <laughs> um, another thing I noticed we were no, uh, you know pointing out some of those characters in the mess hall scene. Did you? I mean, I, I, I'm assuming you did, but did you happen to notice who's behind Kyle when we see Kyle for the first time in that scene? Oh my God! I, <laughs> what the hell is he doing there? For those of you playing along at home, that is Nort. But we know really Nort still. I guess technically we know Nort was alive anyway because he showed up in the Lorefleet thing. You know, 
Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that is pretty cool though. <laughs> so there's Nort. Another thing I, I pointed it out while Mark was doing his recap. I apologize about that, but no. So so uh, so Kilowog and his plate of food. When I said, notice he's got you know the you, you said he's got a, a massive. Yeah, massive as humanly possible. I said, it's interesting you say human. That is a lot of human food because Kilowog has a history. Uh, I don't know. How long was he on Earth with the Green Lantern Corps when the Guardians were gone? I don't remember how long, but I do remember he was there. Yeah, so Kilowog lived on Earth for several years. So he's actually got a taste for human food. Um, for those of you unaware, he was – Part of, no, he wasn't part of the JLI, but he was on Earth as part of the Green Lantern Corps for a while. But did he not have his ring? Because I remember he was a mechanic for a while and not a Green Lantern. I don't think he did have his ring, but again, I wasn't reading it at that time. But I, I I just, I can't, I can't remember if he like set aside his ring willingly to kind of refocus himself or if he just was no longer a Green Lantern because he just didn't have a ring. But I do know he was a mechanic for a good long while, and he created the Rocket Reds. So if any of you know who the Rocket Reds are, Red JLI or whatever, uh, Kilowog is responsible for creating the Rocket Rocket Reds. So he did spend a lot of time on Earth. <clears throat> That's why it's always cool to see him like drinking Earth beer or... You know, making references to things on Earth, eating human food, you know, stuff like that. He's one of the few lanterns who it would be not out of place if he understood a human reference that Kyle or John or somebody made in passing or made one himself, which we'd always always thought would be like a cool shout out for for uh, Kilowog to like reference some human thing from the 80s. <laughs> like somebody like Kyle or something goes. Man, that's that was so 1980s. Like, what was the last time you were on Earth, buddy? You know, I, I, I get that reference now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be even better now that you say that. Um, another thing, that same scene where you see Nort on that panel. Look at Sora's face tattoo. Isn't it supposed to be just the two triangles? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is kind of like getting bigger. Yeah. I thought that was a little odd. And that's not the only place either, too, because it's the same way on the cover. Yeah, it, it's pretty consistent in, in the issue, actually. Yeah. So I, th I think that's odd because it's supposed to be just the two uh, – the one – Further from the center of her face is a slightly bigger triangle than the one closer to the center of her face. But they're just supposed to be like two triangles pointed down side by side. That's it. That's the that's the only thing that tattoo was ever supposed to be. So it originally looked. So I don't know why Van Skyver is getting all creative with it, making it look more I don't know tribal, tribal esque. Yeah, I'm not because sure. it's 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 not an alien thing. It's a brand that Sinestro put on her. So he could mark his daughter. So that was interesting. And another you know, background character. When Hal approaches Sora, that second panel, 
Is that who I think it is? When he's actually start, when he when he's mentions Tomar too. Yeah. Is that Marniel from Edge of Oblivion? Eh, I could be, I guess. I I I, it, I do see the resemblance. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I thought. And Ethan did draw some of those issues. That is true. So I wouldn't be surprised if he put a reference, and he always does that kind of stuff. But I was like, that'd be interesting. So she survived, or I do because like- it'd be the first to be because we haven't heard hide nor hair from anybody on that planet since they came back, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, if that's her. I guess they're all still out there somehow. Oh, we'll find out at some point. <clears throat> I like I like on Kyle's burger tray they got the Radu coffee cup. Let me see here. Where is it at? When he first says he wants to. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so it doesn't like outright say Radu's, but no, it, it is the, the design the logo. Yeah. Respect, Ethan. I'm you know I'm calling you out on that uh, the face tattoo thing for Sora, but I do like shoutouts like that. That's cool. I yeah. do. I, I didn't notice that. The, the, one panel, we both pointed out something to each other, and yep. neither of us noticed. Yep. <laughs> the, the burger and fries look good too, but the Radu's coffee cup is pretty a pretty cool shout out. <clears throat> um, the stuff with Guy and and Arkillo, I do agree with you. Like on the more I look into it, the more I'm like, eh, it's kind of gimmicky or whatever, but. At the same time, it's one of those things where, like, if you think about it too much, yeah, you can give it some criticism. But in the meantime, I'm honestly just happy overlooking this particular part and having fun with this. And I and I do understand that. I mean that that is that is the basic gist of it. You're supposed. I think you're. I think overall, you're supposed to kind of like revel in the the fact that they they are a they are a fun team. So I and I and don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. Not enjoying them. It's just the fact that it does. I I do think much like maybe if the Sora Kyle thing wasn't going on at the same time, it'd be easier to overlook because it just seems like a lot of that's all being forced on us, you know. So yeah. Um, but they and I do like the fact that they 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 do seem they they do have some natural chemistry together based on the way they operate. Their 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 mo. So it kind of makes sense that they would be successful as a as a team. So. Yeah. Um, so, anything else you want to go over? Uh, well, there was, I thought there was something else. Um, besides that, besides that, Space Imp, you gotta love him. <laughs> that Space Imp is awesome. Oh, so, the, 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 yeah, let's, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little about the, about Tomar. Maybe. Uh, what did yeah, you I was gonna. Ever, I was gonna ask, why did he kill Romat? We. Well, that's what we don't entirely know yet. Because remember, remember the 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 first sign that the first sign of trouble with with Tomar was a while ago. But when we first saw, we actually knew that the ring was was. <clears throat> we knew that he had, he said that they couldn't find. I think that, that they couldn't find Romat. But yet we also saw that we we saw 
Romat's ring searching for a sentient replacement before, I guess, he encased it. So we knew he was full of it. And we also knew that he more or less told his partner, you, be, you know, you, be, you better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I guess that's something we're, go- we're going to find out, uh, why he actually did it, assuming he did do it. Or, you know, so... But, I don't know. It's... <clears throat> I mean, let's put it this way. It... it if it's if it's straightforward and there is no twist to this, like either he didn't do it or he was mind controlled or something else, that if it was him just doing it on his own for whatever reason, thinking he's doing the right thing, to having a parallax moment, that if that's all we get out of it, then you know this wasn't this wasn't particularly well set up entirely in the sense of making of it, but from just from the perspective of having any mystery to it, because because we've we've known there's been crap going on with Tomar for like issues now. Like I said, from the first time he showed up lying about Romat, and then the way he was kind of like hot. Now, see, now you can kind of look, understand maybe a little bit why he was hiding in the shadows uh, during the fight. You know, with, with, during the Chronos, you know, the Prism of Time story arc, a little, maybe a little bit more because of his, he needed to keep his concentration, and also because of. But may, I mean, maybe it makes a little bit sense more why he is lurking on the fringes and didn't want to get involved because he didn't think his, you know, he could, that he could really contribute much because he was concentrating so much of his ring power in his will to keep that ring, that Sinestro Corps ring contained. But I don't know. It's, it's, we all knew he did something. So it's so. If, if there's not a twist, it doesn't seem. It, to me, it just seems like maybe there could have been a little bit, a little bit more mystery to. A big reveal, as opposed to telegraphing the fact that you know, tell you know he's doing something, you know he's doing something, you know he's doing something. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. Unless they're altering history and saying Romat Rue killed Tomar Ray. And I did think about that. We had talked about that at one point. I think it was. I think I mentioned that during the during the ad of, during the uh, State of the Union episode that I because I thought that could have been a possibility only be, mostly because even though I guess Romat does look a little different, uh, the only thing that made me think that was because again we saw that preview spread of the threats coming to the core. And they showed Romat, but maybe they were just showing Romat because his death was actually the threat to the core because of what it – because his th- his death was the threat because it was Tomar who did it and splitting the cores apart. So that could be what it – now I also noticed on this it, on this page it doesn't it doesn't look like Tomar has that laser blast through his head, through his fin that he suffered, yeah. which is which, – which potentially makes you wonder – but that could just have been a mistake because I think we have seen it since. Uh, actually, I think it, I think we saw it in my issue. Let's, let me go. Let's, I got your issue right here. Let me take a look. Because if it's there, then it's just then then it would just be an, then it would just be an oversight. Um, eh, it's not when he's saying she did nothing wrong. He looks like he doesn't have a hole in his fin there. Oh yeah, I thought that's where that's where I was thinking it was. I guess not. Yeah. But I think. But I know. I know we've seen it. Since he first got the the shot through it, I thought we saw it after the uh, the what you might call it arc, whatever the hell that arc was now, the Larfleet's arc. Um, that I thought we saw it maybe in the Quest for Hope arc, 
that we that we've yeah. seen that we saw the, the damage to his to his fin because of course but not seeing it does raise the possibility that maybe it's not Tomar if you're not seeing if you're not seeing the damage in the fin. Well, I'm I'm on the Green Lantern Wicca, and it's possible that just Romat Rue's own history could just be reason enough for Tomar or Tomar Two to want to kill him. Oh yeah, of course. Because I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be his personal. Because I'm reading it says Romat Rue was the most vile serial killer in Zudar's history leading to his induction into the Sinestro Corps. When Romat Rue was arrested on a minor charge, police investigated his house. What they found were the bones of thousands of Zudarian children. So it's very possible it's not... I mean, it could be personal for Tom, uh, right. Tomar, too. In the fact you, that he's doing, he's doing justice by his people. But it may just be that. That this is the worst killer in the entirety of my planet's history. He deserves to die, kind of a thing. Yeah, he could be using he could be using the the blanket uh, of trying having to you know, hunt down the Sinestro Corps members and you know give them the choice of you know basically joining basically turning over a new leaf or going to the science cell and and using that almost as justification to. Uh, well, I tried to bring you know even though he didn't really say that. I mean, you, he he could have. In a way, you would almost think you, you would have been you would have been better off making the case that you tried to bring him in, it didn't work, you ended up fighting, and he, and he ended up getting killed, as opposed to pretending that oh, we never found him, and then and then have his friggin' his former ring floating around you that you gotta you gotta hide. So yeah, uh, do you remember how Tomar died? Tomar Ray. Uh, I'm, I'm again, Green Lantern Wicca. Tomar was retired when the Anti-Monitor sought to conquer the multiverse. He still served alongside the Corps, including John Stewart, who had become GL Secretary at 1-4. Uh, the war against the Anti-Monitor would be Tomar's final fight as he was killed by the villain known as Goldface. I seem to remember that story, but it's been a really long time since I've read that. Yeah, it's – I mean it's the basic – now that you say that, it sounds somewhat familiar, the basic beats of it, but – Yeah. But yeah, so it, it could be just as basic as worst killer in history. It could be they're rewriting history, and maybe Romat had something to do with his father's death. Um, or they could be retconning, not rewriting, and uh, Tomar 2 knew one of those children. Yeah. Or knew, was cousins of little brother, little sister, who knows. So My cousin's former brother's second roommate. <laughs> Wait, well, no, Tomar 2's been around since the Lost Lanterns of Emerald Twilight, so, like, yeah, Tomar 2 could be old enough... To have had a kid, couldn't he? Probably. Hmm, yeah, Tomar, be... Tomar, Tomar too has been around. He's been around a long time. So. Yeah, so it wouldn't be too far out of field if they said Tomar too had a kid, and Romat Rue is responsible for killing him. Hmm. All right. Anything else out of this issue or the other one? Not not off the top of my head. I. I do think, like we said, I do think it's it's off to a good start. 
this arc. Uh, it certainly has me intrigued, but I'm hoping you know that it's going to at least be a, a somewhat satisfying end. I just hope that, and I hope we get a little bit of something that we don't expect. I certainly would hope so. No, not just. This is why I did it, and you know, and, <laughs> and that, <laughs> and that's kind of it. <laughs> and then, and then, and then he goes bye bye, and and, and and the imp gets his Green Lantern ring. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, so far I'm enjoying it uh, on face value. Again, we've pointed out some positives, we've pointed out some negatives, but so far, so good, relatively speaking. Um, but again, can it, can it keep that momentum, I guess, is all that we need to, all that remains to be seen. And can we get anything out of this Kyle? I mean, if we're, if we're going to keep this Kyle Sora thing, can we get at least something out of it that is of enough substance that makes it somewhat interesting? You know, interesting enough to where the only thing we, we don't just complain about it being the only thing that we reference to in, to it. Because if if it, it keeps going on and all it is is God, they're still going on with this, and there's no actual substance to it. Kind of the way for about I want to say eighty seven percent of the Kyle Carroll relationship was. You know, they they kept forcing it down our throats, but I mean, nine times out of ten, there was just like nothing there for us to actually chew on. I'd like there to be. I don't like this relationship, but if they're going to do it, at least this piece of it is interesting. So. Yeah, I, I hope I hope so. I I don't have much faith in that though. I don't think, and I I've. I've find it hard to believe I'm going to find anything overly satisfying coming out of the Kyle Sora thing. Kyle needs Kyle needs to be written to be more likable. Sora needs to and because Kyle doesn't come across as being overly likable and kind of jerkish, it makes Sora look weak or bad as a character because she's dealing with it when she shouldn't have been under any circumstances she shouldn't have been that gung-ho to start picking to even consider picking up with Kyle again, let alone just being oh okay. And then, so I, 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 that doesn't. I think Sora is is a better character than that. And then, but we know, she, but we also know, as we talked about before, she did really have deep feelings for Kyle, which is why that emotional tether thing was to Kyle, and that was legit. So that's why. So it is, it is a so it, that part cannot be completely, you know, just swept under the rug. So that makes a little sense why she's got, a, she has a weakness. She, she would have that weakness for Kyle, yeah. but agreed. All right, you want to go ahead and close us out? I will close us out. Lanterncast.com. Go see it. No, <laughs> no uh, email lanterncast at gmail.com. <clears throat> Excuse me, website lanterncast.com. Latest episodes. There'll be more stuff coming up soon. Uh, we really have. To, we really should check on Jim there because we haven't seen hide nor hair of him for our Dark Star reviews in a while. Really, <laughs> I keep saying it, but I really should, maybe I'll actually email him over this weekend just to make sure he's okay. Uh, we are. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on both of those. Uh, iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we're on both people, so whichever platform you listen to, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern. Uh, that's the voicemail. Haven't gotten one in a while, so it'd be nice to get one. Let us know what you think. Uh, 
episodes you'd like to see coming up. We're probably going to have a little bit more leeway soon to do non-issue reviews. I know, and we do have spin-off episodes we have to fit into as we can as we continue our march to episode three hundred. <laughs> 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 the countdown continues. So, uh, but yeah, we we have some we have some. Uh, opportunity here to fit something else in. If somebody, if somebody has a really interesting idea that we haven't thought about, too, get just just let us know, and uh, we certainly will take it under advisement. Now we've got at least two ideas, right? Yeah, we 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 we, do, we know we have some special episodes that you know that that we want to do this year. That's that's kind of a that's kind of a given. And again, we we've kind of looked ahead. We do have a significant amount of leeway, even factoring in. A bu- you know, like four or five, probably even f- a handful of spinoff episodes between the two of us, which we probably won't need all that. But just in case, we probably have enough for that, and still have en- have enough for a couple of skip weeks if we're, if one of if, if we're sick or something like that. So we're still on track to to absolutely do 300 by the end of the year. We would have to really hit a major speed bump soon to derail that. But certainly, our goal is to get you know to hit 300 somewhere around our Four year anniversary, as scary as that is. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a big episode of Prebirth coming up soon? Some huge issue or anything? It's not. Well, with Prebirth, Jim and I have two possibilities of what to do, and we have to finalize what we want to do. Number one, and then it's a matter of when you know, everything coincides to record. It's not. It could be big, depending on one of the ones we're debating about doing. I mean, I, it, it would. It, that might technically that could arguably be a two parter. And then that could be maybe potentially that could be our last. That might be our last two pre-births, maybe at least certainly before episode 300. Those would probably be the only two, because I think we're kind of cognizant of. We know we want to do spinoffs, and we and we don't want to slack off on our spinoffs, but we also know we don't want to throw out too too many, which might push episode 300 a little further down the road than it probably should go. <laughs> so. Yeah, we want we want 300 to come out this year. Yeah. Uh, we also uh, I also promised to have my Snowbirds Don't Fly episode of Green Lantern Green Arrow out this year, and that's covering two issues in one episode. Uh, the Speedy does heroin issues, uh, which is obviously a big 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 deal, uh, both in terms of Green Lantern history, Green Arrow history, and comic book history. Period. Uh, so that's going to be a huge uh, episode, but because that's supposed to be coming out this year, I also have one other episode to do to get to that point. So I'm shooting for no more than two episodes, but at the very least, two episodes uh, of GLGA this year, guys, um, because I did say I'd have that one episode this out, out this year. So keep an ear out for that. It's just, again, like Mark said, it's a matter of scheduling. So when it releases is completely dependent on what the schedule looks like. And actually, it would not be a bit, not that, again, we not that we can necessarily plan this, but it would not be, a, I was thinking about this on, on my own the other day, that it wouldn't be a bad idea. as Once we get within like a couple of episodes of 300, let's say, it wouldn't be bad to have some spinoffs in the can. Because in case we want to do some, besides bringing people on, if we wanted to do some, have some, Special material, or do some do some skits, or do something. Oh, okay. We yeah, have, I got then you. Then we would have time to do it. So, like the weeks leading up to three hundred, right, because that way have would, those. Yeah, because that way we would have time to do stuff like that without having to be in a, in a 
conundrum there where it's like, well, you know, we can push off issue 300, but then what, then what are we going to release and how are we going to number it? Because we, we, we also don't want to screw ourselves and not number episodes, not properly number episodes on purpose just because we're, put, we're waiting for 300 and we don't have the stuff. So that's something I thought that at least – even if we record them earlier to have – you know, maybe have spinoffs be something we could plug in along the way as we're getting – maybe like a month away to uh, – before 300 is going to be be recorded and or come out so but that again it's, yeah we don't want to space it out too much because then we'll start falling behind on regular reviews yeah, so ab- yeah absolutely yeah. so but I, but the good news is at this point you know unless not you know unless something fa- falls off the rails that at least now we know that we should be in a position where e- that even if we had to even if we had to skip a month's worth of issues just to get us where we need to do for 300 that's still only going to be if we keep at our current pace, that's still only going to be two issues of each book, which is really nothing yeah. thing to catch up on if we if we needed to. So, but that's that's just you know that's kind of just how we're how we're looking at this. So that's that's kind of the game plan to expect. I mean, I think we're gonna. I would agree that if, even from our spinoff point of view, I can't imagine there being more than three episodes of of Prebirth between now and the end of the year, and that's probably not going to happen. It might only be. It might very well only be two. But we'll see. I mean, oh, there could be a third, but it might be after episode 300. Let's put it that way. There could be maybe a, but we, but we, we're in, we're in good shape right now. We've done, you know, we certainly are in, as we speak, what we are, we are, other than Green Lanterns 25, right now we're completely caught up. And besides Planet of the Apes, which we have one more episode to come out, one more issue, and then we're going to do it all in one episode. Yep. So we're, 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 we're getting there. Not bad. And we did it before the end of June, so. Woo-hoo. Yes, nice job by us. <laughs> Thank us, people. <laughs> uh, we no, all kidding aside. Well, we just we just pat ourselves in the back just because we know where we know where we were, like in January, and what it took to get us here. <laughs> oh yeah, and speaking of, we're halfway through the year, guys. So um, if you have don't now keep in mind, this is kind of goes along the same lines as the uh, episode suggestions. If you have suggestions for cool things we should do in episode 300, start letting us know now. Um, obviously, not every idea will do. Mark and I will take a look at them, and like you know, if we think that's a, a good thing to throw in. It would go well with the flow of what we kind of already have in our heads. A- excellent. The more, the merrier. It's a 300 episode, and obviously, big episodes like this are. You know, we don't really care how long they are. Um, they- <laughs> I think the longest episode of Lantern Cast to date was like four hours. Yeah, so like, yeah. But so that, was that two hundred? It might have been two hundred. I think it might have been two hundred. Yeah, we're not setting out to break no, any no, records, no, no, but no, no, but no, no, but no. we don't we don't want to trim content simply for for time. If it if the the quality of content's there, I'm sure we're down for it. It's just a matter of. You know, <laughs> what can people listen to? I, you know, there's there have been podcasts I listen to that will release these episodes and and just go, all right, guys, <laughs> listen to it when you can. Listen to it in chunk. Come back to it later. <laughs> That's totally fine with us. We don't expect you to listen to it all in one day. So if you guys have ideas, seriously, start sending them in now because it, it, w- it will help. You know, maybe Mark and I have an idea or two or like, Hey, we're kind of on the fence about if we want to do this or not. And then you, one of you guys sends us an idea and then we go, Oh, actually that's much better. Let's toss this other idea. So it really helps us 
shape these. And plus, you guys have always been a big part of our anniversary episodes to begin with. So it would really help to have your ideas. That is true. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>